Hey folks, as Aaron introduced last week, we are doing a series of We Love to Watch Classic episodes, which is our way of saying reruns. On this week's episode, we have Lark, who in the past used the name Liz, um, which is what uh, name we will be calling her, and she'll be calling herself in this episode, but she goes by Lark now. It's a very fun episode. It's a very quick episode, uh, which is befitting of the movie. And what's interesting about it is that between when this episode came out and now, we now know that there's a reason why Danny Masterson gave us a skeevy kind of vibe. This is one of the fun episodes I think back on and, and still laugh at some stuff that Lark or Aaron said, and I hope you enjoy it just as much as we did making it. I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Liz Lerner. And we love to watch. We love to watch Nick Thune Fight Club. Peter. That's just a fun hey. phrase to say and hear said. <laughs> Nick <Yeah>. Thune Fight Club. <laughs> it's got like a nice like pun- punchy quality. Uh, so so yeah, so thank you for joining us. This, this is our second week of guest request month. So these are movies that we've gotten requests from uh, from from guests that have been on the show previously, guests that uh, have always wanted to go on the show but want to do a specific movie. Instead of us trying to kind of cram them into a month and make them work, we're just like, hey, why don't we just do a month where guests can just pick the movie? So all three of the other guests, uh, you heard Bridget and Pump Up the Volume last week, and then we have Andrew Darr in the room and Joseph Finn in Firefox had a movie in mind. Liz had a different movie in mind for this. <laughs> I went through a few. <laughs> you went through a few, but like you, we, we had one for a while. We were going to do slam a jamma, but that was like oh, pre pods, yeah. not dead. And yeah. then we we're like, well, we're just going to do it on that show at some point. And mm-hmm. then, um, she had, I think had another one, but then two weeks for, before recording, she's like, fuck guys. Uh, urge. Never mind. Scratch everything I ever said. We're doing urge. And I had to look up the movie. I've never heard of it. Uh, Peter, <laughs> nope. I imagine you had never heard of it, but we're doing the 2016 movie, Urge. Liz, why don't you tell us, and we're going to find out a lot why you picked it, but why don't you introduce yourself a little and also tell us why you needed to talk about Urge on this podcast. Well, I, I honestly am trying to remember how I ended up with Urge. I think I was watched it in that period where um, I kind of ran a bootleg bootleg Netflix for me and some of my friends, uh, <laughs> where we uh, essentially, we ended up it, kind of a shared Plex server kind of thing. And so I was getting a lot of new movies, and I remember seeing this and thinking, Pierce Brosnan and then the rest of the cast list of like the, I, I've always been a little bit fascinated by the late Pier, Pierce Brosnan career um, Same. There, there's something of the almost I would m- say later yeah, <laughs> late yeah. Pierce Brosnan career is a different thing <laughs> um, it, it almost reminds me of uh, late Marlon Brando in his not give a shit like amount yeah. where he's like I will be there for four days and I, uh, that's it. That's all you got me for. Um, you could put me on the cover, but that's all you're getting. Um, you and- can put other characters inside my body. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, I ended up, I think I, I ended up watching this on mute for the first, at one point, just out of curiosity. <laughs> uh, 
I remember very clearly the scene where Brosnan shows up and I took pictures of it and sent it to you guys because the image of Pierce Brosnan vaping was immediately my favorite thing in the universe. Um, I, I sent a I sent a screen cap or I sent a screen cap of my notes because yeah. I just filled an entire page with yeah Pierce vapes. What about it, bitch? <laughs> yeah, and so um I think at some point I I watched something else that I was thinking of doing for for this week and then and then it just came back to my mind for some reason I forget why I was like oh yeah urge what was that thing and uh, I rewatched some of it and I'm like oh yeah absolutely I need an excuse to make people watch this because I don't think they'll watch it otherwise <laughs> uh, no no yeah. and I think I think it's I think it's worth it but it is one of those movies that I almost feel like I want to interview each and every person that watched it yeah. and go how did you come to watch this movie when there are other movies like did you you have a weird streaming service that just has urge what had you seen everything else on literally everything else on prime besides this well that's basically that's like me in all media consumption yeah like i can't i always end up watching this stuff and everyone's like why why did you do this um and i have no good excuse that it's like a service to watch these like movies that no one is talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta let you guys know. Well, I, I'm really glad you. We'll get to it in the, the episode proper, but I I'm really glad that you brought this in for me, especially because I as well am an appreciator of post Bond Pierce Brosnan. I have like I, I looked at his IMDb uh, before Damn we it. this, and I was like, and I was like, wait a wait a minute, I know. I've seen like six of these movies and I'm really, really fond of his performance in it. Did I just ruin your game, Aaron? Well, we'll see. This will be a good <laughs> test of my game. So, but a great transition for you two fans of the late Pierce Brosnan career. I, I do um, want to briefly ask, uh, was one of those yeah. movies The Matador, the very underrated well, movie? The Ma- well, I mean, The Matador's Matador great. Rules. Yeah, The Matador's, Matador's really like an actual good movie. Yeah, we talked about that a little on an episode a couple weeks ago where we were like, is there any good... Uh, Post Bond Pierce Brosnan roles, and uh, we we agreed on the Matador, uh, and then Peter said the Ghost Rider, which I haven't seen. Oh yeah, the yeah. Ghost Rider is really good. Yeah, that's another man. He's got he's got depth. He's so good in the Ghost Rider. The Ghost Rider is a movie that surprised me on all fronts because it was like it it rekindled my love for Ewan McGregor, rekindled my love for Pierce Brosnan. So yeah, so my game now, guys. You know we. We really try to think of insightful games. Mm -hmm. We want to spend a lot of time on them. So I got to say, this one means a lot to me. Okay. Um, I think it really cuts deep to some big themes. Uh, Thank you. So here's, here's, I want to give a little background. This is how I came up with this. So you guys know how Pierce Brosnan's name is Pierce Brosnan? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys know that? I do know that. Okay. So, uh, but this- Holy shit. Is that true? 100% true. Check it out. Okay. Uh, look it up on the internet. But I'm going to really blow your mind. Other people uh, have a name, could be first or last name, of Brosnan. As a matter of fact, <laughs> there's a there's an actor whose first name is Brosnan, mm-hmm. uh, and his last name is Pinoche, which I got to tell you guys, means that he has the reverse initials <laughs> as Pierce Brosnan. Oh, so this game <laughs> is called... Did you just called... mispronounce Bronson Pinchot? It's not Pinoche. <laughs> I put Thank too much, so much. Aaron. It's it's pinch it. You know, it's not, so it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not important for my game because my game uh, is all initial based. So oh, this God. is BP versus PB. 
Aaron, you are the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> oh, man. I really thought I had that one down, too. <sighs> I really like how you lean into it. I'm going to still probably call him Pinoche for at least another three to four years before like what you've Pinoche. said to me sinks in. Yeah. <laughs> Bronson Pinoche. <laughs> Bri- if it like rhymes with brioche. Got it. Yeah, rhymes with brioche. Uh, Tioche. Wait, are you, you are you guys talking about Bronson Pinchot? I can't yeah. tell. <laughs> right, is this Wait, what- so is that a, yeah? So yes. it is Bronson Pinchot. Wait, what? Did we have three different pronunciations? Bronson. I've always heard it Bronson Pinchot. That's always so what I thought Liz it was. Liz and I are listen. Liz and I are at Pinchot Pinchot. I... At least we're like. Two thirds of the way there. Okay. That's like most of the yeah. Balky. I, well, Balky I, uh, mine Balky. also starts with pin. Yeah, Balky. Balky. So, anyways, it's just so Pierce, cousin Balky. Bronson Balky. No, for this we're not going to call him any of that oh, because Pierce. It's it's PB. PB. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan versus BP. <laughs> Bronson mm-hmm. Pinoche Pinchit Pinchitter whatever. Pinchit. Um. I, I so this. I'm going to name some movies and you have to tell me if they are uh, a PB. Or BP. Oh God. Okay, guys, a lot of a lot of heart went into this. <laughs> a lot of time. Uh, I've spent months researching. Uh, I just forgot to research how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Liz, that, it can Liz, happen. Sidebar, Liz, yeah. sidebar. Um, Aaron's going through some stuff right now. So okay, could just be really nice to him on this. Gotcha. He really needs this. Yeah. He really needs this. All right. Well. Uh, yeah, Aaron, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. All right, let's give this a try. <laughs> 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 hope you guys like this <laughs> sorry oh. why'd you turn into Alfred Chicken why'd you know. turn into Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> oh, oh I want to play a game with you alright this is a bonus question Mrs. Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire BP or, or PB <laughs> now I gotta... RW <laughs> that's uh, yes it's, it's, it's a, a PB. PB that's a yeah. PB oh thank you who wants to go first I guess I'll go first. Sure. All right, Peter. Number one in BP versus PB. Napoleon. <laughs> these are movies. In case I didn't explain, these are movies. <laughs> you have to tell me who's who's, who's in which one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, these are ten movies. Uh, PB. PB? Incorrect. That's a BP. Who's the BP? Bronson Penelope. <laughs> Bronson Pinochet was in Able Dances Napoleon. He was in, he was in the movie Napoleon. He yeah. was in the 1995 dog movie. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was like trying to not the like... 1927. Maybe that was a bad one to start with. You know, guys, just let me let me work through my issues. Okay. All right. Yes. Um. All right. Aaron. Aaron. It's okay. Go at your own pace, sweetie. Liz. Yes. Diamond oh, Zero. Diamond Zero, PB or BP? Diamond Zero? Yep. Oh, man. That really sounds like a PB. That's a BP. <laughs> Do you think they got confused? Like, yeah. oh, this is like a Bond ripoff. <laughs> um, but it's like that amazing, oh, what's that? Um, There's a fantastic Bond movie from the 60s oh, where they got Sean Do you mean the fake Con- one, the code, code Head Diamond Head or whatever? Yeah, code the one where they got Sean Connery's brother. And yeah. they, still, they also got Money Penny. <laughs> I think that's Codename Diamond Head. Yeah, yeah, Codename Diamond yeah. Head. <laughs> All right, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. BP or PB? Victim of Love. Peter. Uh, BP? That's a PB. That's, that's a Pierce Brosnan? Look, the game's not fun if we say the names. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> but yes, it's a PB. It's just very hard so, to figure out in your brain what we're talking about. 
That's the, the joy like of this seven game. Seven steps removed from all my rational faculties. <laughs> okay. All right, so it's zero zero at PB versus BP. Courage oh. under fire, Liz. BP or a PB? That's got to be a PB. That's a BP. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's BP that's was in Courage ca- under fire. That is the casting coup of a lifetime <laughs> on his agent's part. I hope his agent got a million dollars for that job. Oh, this is fun. Zero, zero. We're having fun. Uh, Taffin. Peter. Is that a BP or a PB? Uh, BP. That's a PB. <laughs> Taffin? Taffin. Yeah. Taffin. Yeah, Taffin? PB plays plays someone named Taffin. T a f f i n. Correct. <laughs> okay. Okay. Moving, moving right along. I mean, I mean like you, can, you can you can verify all of these uh, by going to either actor's Wikipedia page, which I won't. I won't. All right. BP or PB? Second sight. Oh man! You see, I've gone PB for all of these because I keep. I I can't imagine anyone after watching Perfect Strangers would put him in a movie. Um, I'm going to go PB again. That's a BP. <sighs> you keep BPing me. I don't appreciate <laughs> <Sorry>. this. <laughs> uh, technically, I'm not BPing you. No, BP you particularly BPing you. are BPing me. Look, there's a lot of BPs in Second Sight. <laughs> Only one was Bronson Pinoche. Peter, the match. The match? PB or BP? The match, the match. Uh, PB? That's a PB. It sounds like a PB, doesn't it? It does kind of, yeah. It sort of sounds like the Matador. <laughs> it, it does share the, the same first five letters. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Have you been on Jeopardy before with that <laughs> sharp brain? <laughs> BP or PB? The Deceivers. The Deceivers. I've gone too long. I'm I'm gonna stick with PB. I I can't. That's a, that's a PB. Yes, thank God. Thank you see, actually, wait, wait, how many points are you at? Uh, one. It's one to one. Oh, I, really? I feel like you've got more than that, but okay, I'll take that. I was really hoping that was actually going to be another BP, so <laughs> that I could say this fantastic joke, which is fully deserving of all of the buildup I'm giving to it, which is this: there are so many BPs spilling all over me. I feel like the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's a that's another BP. That's a Deepwater Horizon reference. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the fictional film Deepwater Horizon. Yes, absolutely fictional. Mark Wahlberg. Was yeah, Mark not Wahlberg on that. doesn't know anything about oil. <laughs> All right, BP or PB? The Tale of Despardu or oh. Desparu? Uh, um, uh, BP. That's a BP. Yeah, I actually knew that. I, I don't know Two why. Points. Two points. This is the last one. Liz. Okay. BP or PB, the broken chain. I'm going to go BP. Oh, that's a PB. Oh, God. I'm sorry, Pierce. I let you down. <laughs> Peter <laughs> wins PP versus BP at the grand score of two to one. Oh, <laughs> out of man. A po- out of a possible ten. That was right? ten. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm amazed how well this worked. It basically it was it was it was all based on me picking all of the Pierce Brosnan movies that sounded like Bronson Pinoche movies and all of the Bronson Pinoche movies that sounded like Pierce Brosnan movies. <laughs> okay. There is no way it's Bronson Pinoche. There is no vowel in between the N and the C H. How are you getting Pinoche? 
It doesn't make because that's because that's what my brain says when I see the word Liz. Aaron, this is not a joke. Are you dyslexic? I will feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I haven't learned how every syllable and every okay. word works together in tandem. I'm not dyslexic that I know of. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I did. Okay. In in your defense, I was saying for years because I was like a, a movie nerd with like nobody to talk to. I used to say symposis instead of synopsis for oh, many yeah. years. And then I had to actually read the word out loud. And yeah. uh, somebody quickly jumped on that. Yeah. Feels pretty shitty, doesn't it, Peter? <laughs> I pronounce everything the right way always. I bet you do, Liz. Yes, right, I do. Well, everyone fucking watch your tongue at the rest of this episode because I'm going to be gunning for you okay. if there's a little slip of one. All right. Well, now that my mood's down, you do you want guys to want to talk about urge? Do you guys want to do urge. some urge? <laughs> That'll cheer us up. All right, wait, um, wait. Hold on. What's What's the exact quote? Um, where they where they talk about it? Hey, you guys want to urge out? <laughs> yeah, let's urge out. It'll be epic. All right, let's urge out. Let's do some alternate taglines. Did you write one, Peter? Uh, I don't. Uh, uh, maybe this movie has kind of came in as this like uh, drug-induced blur. So uh, <laughs> I, I like don't remember anything. I have one alternate tagline: drugs are bad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have um, an alternate tagline, but I have an alternate title, which is Margin Call 2, because in my head, <laughs> this is canonically what happens to the blonde guy's character after Margin Call ends, uh, is that he goes to this party. <laughs> <laughs> Who's I don't the know blonde that, guy? I don't know what that actor's name is. The the British I want friend. You know Homer Simpson it and just call him. Oh, Margin the guy call. from You're the Worst. Oh, yeah. He's in You're the Worst, too. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he could he could easily be playing his "you're the worst" character on this. Movie. <laughs> Wait a minute, are we all right? We have were we building a a greater universe for that blonde guy, <laughs> um, the the that blonde guy uh, cinematic universe? <laughs> yeah, that's imagine up. imagine a situation where people are like, "Hey, we're canceling you're the worst," but season four is a movie called Urge, and it came out two years ago. <laughs> Chris Gear, Chris Gear is his name. Um, yeah, so it's in in my mind, uh, Chris Gear walks off the set of walks off the set from hanging out with Jeremy Irons to go do drugs with uh, his weird friend. <laughs> I mean, I, it can work. I I can't tell what level of for me in this era, like the the pure B movie. Uh, requires like six actors who I have no idea who they are, and I'm a little too aware of who some of these actors are. Like yeah. I understand Pierce Brosnan, like a Pierce Brosnan type will take some money to be in one of these kind of movies that go straight to Amazon Prime, but yeah, like, oh my God, Nick like Thune and Pleasance and Warrior of the Lost Lands or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly. Like a Ray Weiss. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like Nick Thune seems like 
a little too well known, but also completely wrong <laughs> for this kind of movie. I don't know. It was just yeah. a really peculiar choices. Um, I was just, it's so weird that Nick Thune is is your standout when clearly the weirdest thing here that I want to spend quite a deal of time talking about is uh, Danny Masterson. Yes, that was also um, both Mastersons in this movie. Yeah, the, yeah, it's double Masterson. That's a DM. <laughs> um, Not only that, uh, Danny Masterson was a producer. So yeah, well, he gave himself this part, which I, I got to tell you, uh, I'm sure d- producer Danny Masterson was extremely disappointed with the performance he gave. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but we're, we're going to get into that. So let's do the 90 second recap. So, yeah. So, Peter, you're 90 seconds this week. So a bunch of douchebags get on a helicopter and go to lead douchebag, the man, as he's referred to, uh, Danny Masterson's, uh, you know, summer getaway party. No, the house. man. Wait, no, the, the man, man is, is Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. Yeah, the man oh, is Pierce it Brosnan. Is? Sorry. Yeah. Whoops. No. Uh, what's what's Danny Masterson's name? Danny Masterson. <laughs> oh, okay, so Danny. Okay, producer so Dan- Danny Masterson. Danny Masterson uh, takes all of his other douchebag friends to Douchebag Island, where. Uh, He's in a douchebag mansion, and he's like got like an epic weekend planned for you, bros. Like this is gonna be off the hook. He says a lot of stuff like epic and off the hook. They go to a nightclub as you, as you're wont to do, and the nightclub is just this crazy like debauched hedonist. Well, sort of crazy debauched hedonistic. It's mostly just people rubbing up against each other. Like it's it's nightclub. a Jack Chick nightclub. It's like Jack Chick's version of hell, basically. Yes, yes. It's kind of like it's a bunch of people that like have been to a club like six times are imagining what this is like. Uh, so then they get introduced at the nightclub by this crazy Faustian figure in Pierce Brosnan to this drug called, is it urge? Is urge. It urge oh no, it's urge. Urge. Okay, good. Okay. Urge is this drug and I'm urging one, out. And as the red bastard says, uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> one rule with urge. There aren't rules with urge. There's one rule. You only get to take it once. And so they all take the drug and it's sort of, it's not like cocaine or ecstasy or whatever. It sort of just like purifies your decision making and sort of like liberates you from like, in the, at least in the moment, it kind of liberates you from like, I guess your conscience because it just lets you, we'll get into like the rules of the drug, but like it kind of <laughs> lets you like liberate yourself of the conscience and sort of uh, become a pure like animalistic id driven thing that only pursues, you know, Pleasure in whatever form it wants, like violence or sex or random acts uh, that just happen to, you know, suit your fancy. They all, the next day they wake up and like all drug addicts, they say, I want to take that drug again. <laughs> uh, so they go do their, their their day and then they all take urge again. Our lead character emerges around now, which is Danny Masterson's brother... Uh, who played uh like Goku in the Dragon Ball yeah, Z movie? Yeah, he was Goku. No, that, that's that's not Danny Masterson's brother. Yeah, he's 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 not his brother. No, his the... brother shows up later on the boat. What? Like his actual real brother? Oh no, I meant the character's brother. Oh, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Or... Okay. Jason, See, it's confusing because Danny, Danny it's Danny Masterson's brother? actual. No, Danny Masterson's actual brother does show up in the movie. I, I know, I know, but isn't okay. Jason his brother? Like, in yes, the movie? Jason is his brother. Yeah. So Jason is this wild card. He already lives this sort of it-driven lifestyle. He's an artist. He's like a free spirit, whatever. He's an insanely um, terrible artist. He's an insanely terrible like Banksy makes like Banksy. 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 He's art. Banksy. Yeah. He's. <laughs> oh, 
He's he's Banksy, but he's not um, even Banksy because he hired. You find out that he hired people to to make that Banksy. Yeah. So the movie spends like a forty five minutes making you hate this character, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, he's the protagonist now." <laughs> um, and so he is now seeing all of his friends devolve into bacchanalia, and it's getting more violent. And uh, all of a sudden, you're realizing that people are breaking the rule of the drug. They're taking it more than once, which is causing this sort of like insanity where people become these like id-driven animals that can't stop and um so he decides like you you know it's basically like him roving through the apocalypse for the rest of the movie on this aisle in this like micro apocalypse where you know he he tries to find one he tries to save whatever his friends are, are sobering up um and then at the end, one of their friends has gone completely crazy, has become this Nick Thune r- ringleader, this like Tyler Durden Nick Thune character who's like murdering people and creating his own like um, like Lord of the Flies empire. They get off the island. Two of them get off the island. One is stoned to death. And Jason gets a like vision dash meeting with this devil character where he basically reveals he's like this devil figure or at least like a you know loki figure this like figure of chaos and he's like oh i didn't i wipe my hands of this like they took the drug twice they knew what was gonna happen but you know here's the future and he shows and like in hellboy says if you join me this is the future if you join me you get to stand you know i'd rather rule in hell than be a servant in heaven or whatever that sort of a theological concept or you know movie theological concept i should say <laughs> he the devil gives him an offer to join then i think like quickly rescinds the offer because he's <laughs> like he doesn't give him a mechanism for well, joining the offer i think it the implication is that he did accept it and that when he kind of oddly went back and sat next sat down next to his pitch perfect friend it, the implication i thought was he's gonna he is going to go back and and yeah yeah, because the- Pierce Brosnan says, you're going to be my vessel to spread this. This was our test. You're going to be our vessel to spread this. And he's like, no, no, no. But then obviously the post credit scene kind of. Um, the in- Well, or maybe the trailer for a different movie. <laughs> it was yeah. a very weird post credit <laughs> scene. It introduces an actor that I recognize as in a stinger, which is like. In a Marvel world, not that weird, but in this kind of movie, very weird. It's um, also weird because Alison Lohman hasn't done a movie since 2009's uh, Drag Me to Hell. So the fact that she showed back up in movies for for the basically the first time in seven years in a stinger to a straight-to-Amazon movie is bizarre. She like, like, did she did, – did people just really not want to hire her or did she, like, decide to have a family and then act again? Like, what happened? I have to assume it's some sort of, like, she took a break because she was really – I mean – she was, you know, at least like moving up and Drag Me to Hell was I thought Drag Me to Hell was pretty popular. It was, from it was what popular. I, I loved her in Drag yeah. Me to Hell. I was like looking forward to her career like at that time and then like Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Allison Pill stepped forward and I was like, I'll I'll worry about them now. Yeah. Um maybe that maybe that's what happened. So I, I kind I you know, I don't want to necessarily correct you, Peter. But I think I think you might be missing or maybe you're saving it for a twist, in which case I apologize. That I actually really fucking enjoyed of this movie, which is that Pierce Brosnan is not playing the devil. He's playing just God, right? He's playing. He's God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Basically. He says like, I, he, but he says, but he says it in a sense that is sort of like the way that the devil would say that he's God. Yeah. Like I didn't entirely pick up. 
we'll talk about i'm sure liz will have a lot of thoughts on like the weird <laughs> i mean i just theology it, of this, it was but... very it, i mean it was very peculiar it, it it there was something of a um kind of flood story feeling about it of god is kind of pissed off and just like all right well, let's judge some people by making them you know burn stuff down yeah, because he says what he's doing is what urge does is it releases all this, this basically the sins in your heart that human beings have these miserable creatures that he wish he hadn't made. That urge is just basically uh, all those things that you think that you actually really want to do, like murder people or fuck a cake, fuck a cake, or- <laughs> cake fucker, cake fucker, whatever. But but that's what it is. So it's like, hey. My book says that if you sinned in your heart, you've sinned. All these people are sinning in their heart every day. I'm just I'm just uncorking the bottle and letting their sins bubble up to the top. And the reason why Jason is unaffected is that he has never let any desire pass him up. He fought, you know, he fucked who he wanted to fuck. He punched who he wanted to punch. He took whatever drug. So Jason's not affected by urge because he is basically living his full sinful life already, <laughs> doing whatever he wants. And God's like, well. It's not going to affect you. So you're my perfect example of how terrible my creation is. Yeah, they, and you're gonna you're gonna bring this and destroy my my huge mistake. They, I felt like they kept going back and forth with like how good of a person he was actually supposed to be. Like uh, I feel like over the course of the movie, they kind of realized in real time, oh, this is the protagonist. Let's make him like less of a douche. Um, yeah, they make him less of a douche, but his whole thing is that you are you are a pure version of what garbage humans are. Yeah, so you are the perfect vessel to destroy the rest of the humans who so, are destroying themselves. I think so there I there guess is the genre. To, sorry, go on. I think that is kind of the the part of it that I do find kind of likable about the movie is that it really does have this almost seventies sense of like pop Freudian like repression is more dangerous than the things it's trying to repress um which i think is an interesting idea and um i think works to some extent in the movie um i think also part of it is that it kind of thematically allows it to work uh how boring everyone's desires are yeah. like yeah <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the most boring like it's like going through hell it's like dante's journey through hell but like all the <laughs> the pleasures are like really boring uh, yeah the only cause... actually interesting one is the red bastard who is essentially a fruit of the loom guy um yeah. from the fruit of the loom ads except with a bunch of uh inflated balloons stuck under his uh his like strawberry suit so the red bastard is promising i think a different movie than what it gives well he is a cirque du soleil performer and that is his actual character like he actually is a cirque du soleil performer who they just hired for this movie and in cirque du soleil he plays the red bastard i kind of like the idea of a cabaret character showing up partway through to Mm -hmm. be like this um performer and makeup and a a specific costume playing Mm -hmm. this sort of uh ringleader to this circus that you're all a part of like this like is there is is there a term for an orgy master? <laughs> I think we just invented it. Uh, yeah, or, or um, the orgy yarl. Um, <laughs> uh, but he he sort of shows up. I love this idea, but it's interesting because correct me if I'm wrong. Did you guys both think that as soon as they take the drug and they have this crazy night, that the whole movie was just going to take place in that nightclub? Yeah, and it'd just be like one wild night. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, kind of. I, I, I could see that. I don't think I, I 
saw that I assumed because uh, I think that would require using Pierce Brosnan uh, way more <laughs> than they could afford to. Yeah. Um, but uh, I could see that. Yeah. Because I, I feel like I, rec- I assumed that things were going to go wrong, but they weren't going to go wrong on a global scale. They were mm-hmm. going to go wrong in this one fucked up nightclub. The cops were going to show up, maybe Night of the Living Dead, all the survivors or something. Cause they were like <laughs> acting crazy. Like, I, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but I thought it was going to be, especially I hadn't heard of it. I thought it was going to, they were going to play their like purge budget where, you know, like in a lot, mm-hmm. in both the purge movie, or I guess the, the two of the purge movies I've seen. It, they're like, oh, yeah, this is like a global thing, mm-hmm. but we're just going to look at one house. Yeah. Yeah. Like the second one is a little bit more wild, but it, there's a couple points where they like get bogged down in the same locations and you're like, well, yeah, this is them controlling their budget. I thought that this movie was going to control its budget by staying in that one one night nightclub. I got to tell you, so first two very important things. One, I assume that the red bastard just had testicular cancer that had gotten really <laughs> out of control. Yeah. Uh, two. Those boys blew up. I agree with you, Peter, because I thought this movie was going to go for one of two twists, which was a, oh my God, this was just what, what this drug, taking this drug once led us into this crazy mind fuck. And actually we were still at this nightclub and we never actually laughed and that second day didn't happen. That was just our fucked up trip. We should never take it again. That's what a lot of these movies do. You know, they like having the little mind fuck twist where yeah. uh, most of it didn't happen and that's what their lesson learned. And then usually the twist from that is that like one friend like puts a, put a puts a little canister of urge in their pocket and, and you're like, oh, no, is that going to end up happening? Uh, so that's what I thought was going to be one ending or two that uh, here's Brosnan ends up being the literal devil. And so I will give the movie credit for surprising me that he they didn't do that dumb twist that a lot of these movies do. Uh, but they had it like in, a, in something I've never really seen where the devil trying to destroy humanity is is God trying to destroy his fucked up creation <laughs> this way, which say what you want for its execution and some of the other parts. It at least made me go, oh, holy shit. I haven't seen that that often. <laughs> I Yeah, there was just so many just fantastically bizarre line deliveries. I, I was trying to um, find a way to make the uh, title out of my other favorite Nick Thune line. Uh, when they first enter this club, a random woman walks up to Nick Thune's character who uh, has been repeatedly, repeatedly established as like, impossibly ugly apparently um and uh, a woman immediately starts making out with him and she says something like do you have any and nick thune's character says have any what cocaine i could get you so much cocaine (laughs) (laughs) uh that would have been a good that would have been a good alternate title that or or just like we have to watch hate do you have any (laughs) um yeah so before we get to like talking about specific scenes and lines, I kind of want to circle back to something that you said, Peter, and like who, where this movie comes from, because I think it's fascinating. So, uh, Peter, you mentioned that this movie is like the idea of someone who has never been to a nightclub or maybe been to like some calm ones four or five times and has this idea of like, oh, man, those real nightclubs are just people fucking and feeling each other, just dancing and interpretive dancing all throughout the night uh and it definitely has the sense of a movie that someone that's never actually taken drugs but only gets their idea of drugs from after school specials and i think those two things are very very true about this movie which makes it very interesting who wrote this movie do you guys know who wrote this movie uh i don't remember the pope 
<laughs> the Pope, yeah. The Pope hates God. This was his like <laughs> passive aggressive way to be like, fuck you, dude, I want to quit. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, a guy by the name of Jerry Stahl. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that name. Uh, Jerry Stahl was a uh, writer on 80s TV shows, not Perfect Strangers, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but he was one of like the in the writer's room of Alf. And he uh, he did a couple other 80s TV shows and he wrote a lot of the weirder stuff in Alf. <laughs> Alf was a very weird show. During that time was fucked up on heroin and cocaine and just messed up out of his mind for almost the entire duration. And he would just come in and be coked up and pitch these elf storylines and they would do these elf storylines. He eventually got clean and sober and he wrote a book about his experience, a a famous book called Permanent Midnight. They made a movie based on it starring uh, Ben Stiller as Jerry Stahl. Jerry Stahl's best friend played by... uh, Owen Wilson um, <laughs> in like in 1998. It's actually a pretty good movie. And then he like didn't do, he he wrote the screenplay of that movie. And then he hasn't he did like a couple little TV stints after Permanent Midnight. But this is his first movie since that 1998 movie. Uh, he's been writing books since then. So he went 18 years without writing a movie. The only movie he had done before this was his autobiography, Drug Story. And then this is his <laughs> return. He return and it's amazing to me because if anyone knows drugs, yeah, it's someone that fucking wrote a drug memoir because he was so fucked up for years. <laughs> I he's mean, definitely, and he was he went to clubs in the goddamn eighties, like not like the nineties or two thousands, like the eighties. And this movie, every time anyone talks about drugs, it is like written by might as well be written by a fucking nun. <laughs> like that's never heard heard anyone. Like it is shocking to me how out of touch. This movie is how, like, eye-rollingly after-school special, the dialogue, the club, the way the drug works is, and then it's written by someone who, I don't I don't know, like, fucking knows his shit. Yeah, that... Yeah, it, it, it is shocking, but it also isn't shocking in the sense that, like, I, what, from the basic things I know about him, he thinks that uh, sobriety and giving into your baser instincts is a stupid fucking idea. <laughs> Is that is that too simplistic of a read on the data that I have right now? I think I think it is. Now I don't know. Again, he hasn't really done much for eighteen years between between this. Well, if I remember right, this movie had like four writers, right? Did it, it had like he was the writer, and then there were like three story by credits on IMDb, I think, or or three something. three story by yeah, and then he wrote he, but he's the sole a uh, screenplay writer and the uh, and the director is Aaron Kaufman who mm-hmm. is so unfamous he doesn't have a link on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I I I kind of have the feeling that he maybe he maybe some people had um probably inspired by drugs maybe had like this insane idea and then he was like all right fine I'll write you guys this story once you guys sober up because this really does feel like uh there's something there's something of a feel of a almost like the devil's advocate uh where you could just imagine all these guys around a table drinking and doing like cocaine and uh thinking like yeah like something about the uh the feel of the uh rule breaking uh in it um there's yeah. just I, I don't know. There, there's something so odd about... I, I think even more than the fear of drugs in the movie, I, I think it's the um, a presentation of sex, uh, which yeah. is very 90s. Um, 
in kind of overall feel. The idea that, I don't know, anything outside of the norm will lead to your horrible death. Um, yeah, I mean, but this movie's dialogue, too. Like, I remember being impressed by Permanent Midnight's dialogue and thought it was clever and funny. And obviously, he, I mean, he's a writer. This This movie has, like, an actual scene with, like, no other, like, twist or turn on it or, like, subtext where five dudes sitting around having a couple drinks talking about you know the only reason that guys build anything right <laughs> it's just to impress women and that's it if someone would have said that as like an 80s stand-up routine you would have been like oh my god at least have some sort of twist on the material i've heard this a billion times this is not old concept and it is presented here as like yep Here's the scene where the guys talk about this. The whole movie's like that. Yeah, I, I it kind of almost worked for me in in that again it revealed how incredibly boring all these people. Uh, what I I feel like the movie kind of nailed was what all of these these corporate guys who think uh, their desires are like so outre, but they're and like that they have all these like real insights into humanity's animal urges and. Everything they say is so incredibly boring. Um, yeah, it it it. So works you think it's for... played for like not parody, but almost like this is how uninteresting and shallow these. Well, people I don't think are it because... was that intentionally, but that is how it ultimately worked for me watching the movie. Okay, um, the text is the text. I don't. I don't yeah, yeah. Like... I I don't think it was intended to intended to be uh like that at all. But I think ultimately that's what you get, which is yeah, just all these like like the Nick Thune character like offering a ton of cocaine like. That's not, I don't, I mean, I'm not a big clubber, but that doesn't seem like it's, it's so out of touch with what real id living is that, uh, they, they assume because they have this massive amounts of money, like the, the coolest thing that this guy can do with his giant, his giant Island is invite what Roger Federer for uh, tennis lessons. Like, I don't know. There was just something about, uh, how low budget i mean not low budget and literal amounts of money but how unimaginative all of their bacchanalia was that uh kind of made this movie a comedy to me yeah it's you know you know what um, danny masterson's character is like it's like if he was barney from how i met your mother yeah all of yeah. his friends were constantly impressed instead of constantly <laughs> like you fucking loser yeah no one yes, cares about this stuff barney's barney is only charm and barney stops being charming at a certain point in the show that show should have ran for like four or five seasons and then went away yeah but barney is only charming because of like he's this like debauched madman with like a sweetness in there but it's buried under this like constant thrumming need to party and, be, and to like, impress awesome. people this this religion of awesomeness yeah that uh and to impress people and that nobody and the reason that these people are his friends and the reason he keeps them around is like this like weird thing where like they like him around because they find him entertaining. Like the negative, the negative read on the relationship would be they keep him around because he's this weird gesture that occasionally offers them things that they want to do. That's weird. And then the, the other, the other negative side is he keeps them around because they're the only people that won't be impressed by him. Yeah. That's, that's the Barney thing is like, I am naturally trying to flaunt my wealth and my power and everything else. And, but the only people that actually like keep me grounded that I actually know are my real friends are the people that literally don't give a shit about that stuff. I, yeah. But this, this is that played like fucking straight where Danny Masterton just lists out all the shit they're going to do that day. And everyone's like, I mean, besides thinking about drugs, they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Normally, yeah. normally all of this is just 
amazing, but now I like drugs. <laughs> so yeah. uh, what I'll say is what I'll say is my approach to all this is is that this movie confounded me in a way that I found thrilling because I didn't know you can't divide this into a three act structure really. No, there's a not third really. Act, but the there's a third act, but the first two acts are really like three or four weird acts <laughs> where there's like you getting to know the characters is boring people, them being introduced to the the drug urge and taking it the first time, them being on it, you know, and wanting to take it again, or them wanting to take the drug again. Like, there's, like, a bunch of acts in between getting to the third act, which is just chaos, which is, like, this is essentially a horror movie in disguise, mm-hmm. I would say. Or, a th- you know, a chaos thriller in disguise. It feels like a Danny Boyle movie or something where, like, you're like, oh, the third act, that's when everything is going to go awful and wrong. This is weirdly, and I, we're way too deep into this to say this, but like, this is a weirdly movie I recommend just watching. Like, <laughs> just go, just go and watch it. I should have said this earlier, but like, yep. we kind of, we kind of act under the, assu- the assumption on this show that you're going to go watch the movie before you listen. Just watch it. Cause it's going to, it's going to defy your genre expectations, I think over and over again. And that's part of the fun. It's on Amazon Prime. Go <laughs> fucking watch it, please. Come back and uh, listen yeah. to it. I kind of would Do recommend that. that too, because it is really like a movie longer. Like we mentioned that that Nick Thune eventually starts like builds this barbarian cult uh, out on the beach. Um, <laughs> As at, you would. At one point, um, our uh, suddenly our protagonist, the uh, uh, brother, wakes up and everything is gone a little bit to heck it doesn't go immediately to mad max uh like everything you know there's still ostensibly a government but no one's really sure what's going on um this the sec the period of the movie after they do urge for the second time there's about a half an hour period where it's in a bizarre liminal state where you really don't know at what level of chaos we're operating at on the one hand uh maybe people like like you see like nick thune is like getting into fistfights in the back but there's still rules to the fistfights apparently of some sort and like um they're still like having interpersonal squabbles like the the um danny masterson's character um yeah has this speech where he's like uh no he tells his brother like no do more drugs you're the you're the jester and when i tell you to do this you do and it's like a weirdly interpersonal relationship for like wait isn't civilization falling apart yet no we're still like having this weird like personal drama and then it there's a moment where he leaves the house and uh where the brother leaves the house and you're like finally start reaching opening of a zombie movie status status but uh yeah yeah so like eventually we get to the um almost like bath salt zombie movie which is i think kind of the idea like that they were going for it kind of takes a while to go, go there and there's never a point where like they can't move about freely like they can't like where they're like no. ever have problems until like the very end of the movie there's always just i feel like that's the point where you get to almost a po- post-apocalyptic setting one of the like basic tenets is hey it's hard to get from one place to another and these guys are just wandering around driving around town i think that the hospital scene is so fantastic um and it has one of my favorite performances in the cop whose name i can't remember but he was kevin kevin corrigan yeah is the actor what what do you guys think of him i think of him as the guy from fringe I, I feel like he's the guy from Superman, or not Superman, <laughs> Super Bad. Uh, oh yeah, who, uh, who has the, who has the girlfriend who gets the period blood, mm-hmm. um, and then he's also in that great episode of Community, 
Which actually, before before we get to talking about Kevin Kevin Corrigan, you know what the the part where Jason wakes up and like things have started getting out of control, mm-hmm. and he's like yeah. trying to figure he's trying to figure out how out of control things are. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that the second paintball episode of Community, yeah, where Joel McHale goes out to take a nap in his car, I and think then that's he like the wakes first up one because it's the only one I've seen. Anyway, well, maybe it is yeah. the first one. Yeah, but yeah, and but then like just... he, co- oh no, wait, you're right, it is the first one because mm-hmm. then he comes back and he, there everyone's like the prize, the prize, and he's like. <laughs> What happened? We're now in roving gangs. Like, but, and the joke, the joke in that is that it's like, it's been 45 minutes. And here it's been like a few But hours. it's not like even completely up. Like, it's just no. a party that's halfway out of control. Like, it, it's not like, like violent level. Like, it's just like, this is like most of the way through like a drug memoir. Like, uh, that kind of movie. Not like, Oh, this is the apocalypse yet. Um, I thought I was going to turn into a really creepy movie, though, for a sec. <laughs> when they're all, like, staring at him through that mirror, I'm like, it was such a holy weird... shit, what the fuck? It was such a weird, but... like, performance from that guy. That one guy who good. one line. And I thought Purge, like, put you maybe in that sequence. I thought maybe Purge put you... Purge. You Purge. It... Purge is a different Excuse movie. <laughs> Purge is a different movie. It be... Urge becomes Purge. And that's <laughs> the secret of the movie. No, I thought that Urge was would put you if you took it more than once put you into a sort of like dream world like yeah where, that's where like, i thought it was going mm-hmm. too like so multiple times the movie defied my expectations entirely him waking up after blacking out it was one of them anyway but yes that party scene is so fantastic because it is so unclear what it is it reminds it is almost like drug feeling in that you're really not sure what's going on like how did he suddenly get in an incredible bowl full of urge so that's the weird thing is they say you're only allowed one and they were all weird at the club about Mm -hmm. him only having the pack and then the next day their pack is refilled and then (laughs) blackout they went back to the club and apparently Pierce Brosnan was like, everything I did yesterday was dumb. Like, just take a bowl of it. <laughs> the, the whole idea of the, like, only do it once, I have no idea what narrative purpose that was supposed to... F- it only like, makes sense in the end. It doesn't make sense in the Yeah, because he's like, well, I, gave you, I gave you a ridiculous structure to use this drug on. Yeah. But, but my hands are clean. <laughs> I told you. But let's get back to to the uh, sorry to detour for a second. Let's get back to the cop in the hospital scene. The hospital right, scene has is really when like you're starting things are really falling apart. It has yeah, so um I can't think of uh what Kevin Cor what's his name? Kevin Corrigan? Yeah. Yeah. It's Kevin Corrigan. I just Sam Weiss from uh Fringe is my anyway, um <laughs> he uh uh, he 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 gives the best delivery because um the brother is there because a guy stepped in front of a car and for some reason the movie treats this as like oh now everything is going to shit like the music yeah. <laughs> really kicks in and it's like yeah we've been watching the movie for the last hour we get it things are bad like um and I love I love that thing where they said he says the guy that shoots the cop says I've always wanted to do that yeah, yeah. that's like well, a really creepy horror moment. Because yeah, so I I wanted to go through, like so the whole scene is um the cop uh the the uh Jason Jason or Jacob Jason Jason, Jason. Uh, Jason's in the hospital and he approaches this cop and uh, the cop freaks out and reaches for his gun and Jason says oh no no it's not my blood and immediately 
Kevin Corrigan goes to like this bemused, like seeing it <laughs> yeah. all uh, <laughs> uh, performance and goes, oh, it's not your blood. Oh, that makes it a lot better. And uh, gives this long monologue about all the stuff he's seen. It is hysterical. It's and- so great. Yeah, because they're like, because uh, Jason's like, hey, everyone's doing drugs. He's like, yeah, you think they're doing drugs? Look around. <laughs> of course, they're all doing drugs. You think that's new information to me? <laughs> Look then- at what everyone's yeah. doing. And then, as as Peter said, in the middle of this monologue, uh, a character walks up behind him, takes his gun out of his holster, and shoots him in the back of the head, and uh, just says, I've always wanted to try that. And uh, Jason suddenly is like, oh, this is bad. Uh, it, it, it is one of my favorite scenes um, in a movie. Uh, oh, oh, I forgot. Actually, my favorite line in the whole movie comes in that monologue when uh, the third person, the third entry in his list of terrible things he's seen is something like, um, we saw this woman over here, her husband brought it in because she, because she, because uh, he kept drinking Lysol. Lysol, that's not a beverage. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say something. After that moment, up until the very ending scene on the ferry, which I think, um, is very fun in a twisty way, but gets goofy. I think the movie for the next like 15, 20 minutes becomes not like laugh at, but I think it becomes competent and effective for like 20 minutes. It does, it becomes like a straight ahead horror movie that works for the last act. And I, yeah, you guys are not uh, entirely. Uh, the only other exception is the 911 call. <laughs> um, I love the 911 call. I love the 911 call. It's uh, got to be trying to be funny, right? Yes, no, yeah. because she specifically says uh, he calls this. He calls 911, uh, and he's trying to explain what's going on. And the uh, woman on the phone suddenly says, "I'm so sick of you guys with all your problems. Why can't you leave me here to do my Sudoku?" Which is <laughs> hysterical. I love that because she's more she's like uh, more honest with herself uh, about, than Danny Masterson. Like Danny Masterson also has really boring urges. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, which is that he wants to be he dead. Thinks he's like trans. He thinks he's transgressive and he mm-hmm. thinks he's wild. But she just wants to do her Sudoku and she kind of <laughs> knows it's boring. But it's what she wants to fucking do. <laughs> yeah, I think that is kind of like the the wonder, like the great part of the last like thirty minutes of this movie is is how. Yeah. Yeah, because then Danny Masterson kills himself. He goes home and he stabs himself in the neck. Well, which is uh, a very he, effective scene. Yes, he kills himself because he's had too much SNM uh, sex with his girlfriend, who, by the way, uh, for the first half of the uh, first half hour of the movie, is the most uh, relatable character Repressed. for me, at least. Like everyone treats her like, isn't it so crazy? She doesn't love these people, and it's like, yeah, they're horrible. Like we they don't are like the droid. Yeah, they call her the droid because she doesn't instantly fall in love with their garbage. Like, <laughs> and like, no, she's. I agree, it, she's the most relatable, and the movie wants you to hate the shrew of a woman. Yeah, she's like the ultimate shrew to the point where, like, at the end of the movie, she gets stoned in a legitimately upsetting scene. And I can't yeah. tell how much of the movie is supposed to be like, yeah, he totally deserved it. No, he, or she deserved it. No, she was like, she was my favorite. She was. So let's let's take this moment to talk a little bit about Danny Masterson because I don't know if you guys watched that 70s show. I I, I, I didn't I watched, really. I watched it a little bit. Uh, well, I watched it a decent amount back back when it was on and thought it was great. Like one of the better comedies on TV. Uh, I've, I've picked it up a couple times now that it's showing on uh, the independent film channel. <laughs> uh, IFC. Always on uh, slightly off. Yeah, always on. <laughs> Slightly on. Do they still do they still do Samurai Saturdays or is that gone? I that's no. way gone. That is the last terrible. time I, I had IFC, they had Samurai Saturdays. It was my favorite fucking thing. That's how I saw Sword of Doom for the first time. 
Yeah, no, that is long in the past. So, yeah, so he, um, I've watched it since. I've watched that 70s show since then, and it's not very good. It's okay. Danny Masterson, though, I, you know, I thought he was very funny on that show, and I was always disappointed he didn't have a better career because he, he but he, the character he has to play on that show is like someone who never emotes, and he is, you know, separate, he's removed, he's just the guy. Uh, in the back of the class, saying the occasional sarcastic joke. Uh, uh, what character is he on Wet Hot American Summer? The equivalent? I, Paul Rust. Yes, the Paul Rust character. Was that the equivalent? Yeah, uh, yeah, essentially. Like he, but he really is like he doesn't really care for his friends. He just sits there and gets high with them, and occasionally, you know, says a cutting remark. But uh, but he just never really was in much. Uh, so seeing this movie, I was amazed to discover that he is like. The worst actor of all time, I think, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Here's that's... Here's the thing, all. though. Here's the thing. He's bad. He's so when, bad. The banter... But the banter in this movie is pretty bad. It makes Nick Thune look bad. It makes most of the cast look bad, I think. Like, he nails the cocaine line, at least. But, like, whenever there's, like, a block of dialogue for a character to diatribe on, you're like... Oh, the writer didn't know what they were talking about, and it's just like a fucking burnout moron. I, have you guys ever seen In the Company of Men? Yes. Yeah. Yes, a movie it, I love. It reminds me of, like, In the Company of Men is a movie that I do not like. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think it's it, it's too in love with its own bullshit. Oh, it, it is. Does. I think I think it it depicts that sort of masculinity well. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it. I think it endorses it also. I, yeah. I think it's. It de- it, I think it endorses it and depicts it, but I think it, at least at a, at a base level, its value is it depicts that really well. This does not depict the sort of um, douchebaggery of swaggery wannabe alpha males that well. And that's why Liz said literally a, a, the moment the movie turns around is when you get to Pierce Brosnan's nightclub. Or I think you yep. said the frame that Pierce Brosnan yes, shows up. Yes, the frame that Pierce Brosnan shows up vaping um, is... <laughs> One of it, the dialogue it, it, is so bad. The banter is so bad. But he's but he's so bad. At, like we need true, to go but, somewhere. We need to do this thing. Like that's that's better. Like Nick Thune, the guy from You're the Worst. Like even Jason. Like they're definitely saying bad lines, but they're like competent actors enough to not go like Danny Masterson feels like he's in a school play and like. <laughs> emoting wrong in everything and you're like well he's the director's son what are you gonna do you know like everything is so false like even the beginning of that uh in the board scene with uh i'm gonna say horribly underutilized jeff fahey Mm -hmm. they really missed the lawn they really missed a big chance at the lawnmower man reunion here (laughs) with pierce brosnan and jeff (laughs) fahey in the same movie but he's like, that's not what you do. You did a fire sale. And, and like, I'm emoting maybe slightly better than Danny Masterson in that movie. It is, it's, it's insane how bad he is at delivering lines. I think he thought he was doing a social network thing, and he's not. It's really bad. Like, even when he breaks up, when he, like, they do enough urge and he's having sex with his secretary slash girlfriend that have some arrangement, he's all of a sudden, yep. I've got you out of my system now. It's like, <laughs> what? What line? Like, it is. I've never heard someone get, like, every word wrong. Do you know what we call you? A depreciable asset. Or a quickly depreciating <laughs> asset. asset. Yeah. Which is I, funny, because, like, I'm like. Why did the producers simple. fire him from this movie? <laughs> I took. <laughs> I, I took business classes in college. Yes. But, like, I think as soon as they explained the concept of 
a depreciating asset or a depreciable asset to me. I like understood it immediately. He's saying it like he's like, yeah, yeah this is this is the finance science. I'm going to say this like it's, uh, you know, something that uh, is really going to impress the audience. They're like, what is that? Like, that's the problem with trying to share scientific chatter. <laughs> yeah. Or- like business chatter or anything with like with like a, an esoteric sort of knowledge that you have to like kind of go to classes for like to share it with an audience very often either you dumb it down to the point where people are like yeah i get that obviously or you smart it up to the point where you're like i don't i'm not following what you're doing he finds this like perfect medium where it's just like hey you said that like it was a smart thing, but I don't think you you even understand. <laughs> like the audience gets to like put a boot heel on Danny Masterson for a second. <laughs> and that line is followed by a line that I swear to God. So the line is, especially when you're a six at best, maybe a six point five. <laughs> and he's just saying that and he's just saying that to hurt her, and then he and he keeps going. I swear to God. That there must have been 30 takes because you could see it in his eyes where he's like, pause, 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 deliver the punchline. Like he, he's, he's just so like stare straight ahead. It's like he's concentrating to not just say out loud a beat, maybe a 6.5. <laughs> when I, 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 kind, I kind of loved the final beat of his character because after the scene where he breaks up with the droid, um, she immediately seduces him back. Uh, it takes uh, 30 <laughs> seconds. Uh, and then, but like, it makes sense because he's on this drug that just like only drives in-level interaction, which by the movie's yeah. thesis. Mm-hmm. And uh, also because men, he's Men would just be the most easily seduced things on Earth by the movie's account. Except you're the worst guy because his dick got sore. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, and so he like, she like beats him up and tortures him for a while. And then at the end, he's like, oh my goodness, I deserve all that. Like the final blubbering scene of him where he's like begging her to kill him is, um, I, I thought a very satisfying end for this incredibly pathetic character. Um, it it, it kind of worked because it's like, I could see that being where this character wrapped up, like the self-loathing that was ultimately the end point of, of all of this, like incredibly poorly acted uh, machismo. Um, <laughs> well, and then when, when his brother comes in and he's still tied up there, mm-hmm. he's like, don't untie me, don't untie me. And he unties his arm and he just grabs a knife and stabs yeah. him into his neck and, and, three and times. Also, the brother immediately blames the droid for this <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> it's like, uh, hey, uh, we like, man. Yeah. Uh, I do like the idea of the movie being like, and the movie doesn't execute it well, mind you. This is like, I guess, a second act problem when they have to sort of like turn the characters on each other or Mm -hmm. somehow develop their relationships with one another. I do like the idea of him finally like getting her during an urge phase and then being like, oh, you're out of my system because these Mm -hmm. are all like user douchebags who like just like using women. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he's the guy that can have everything he wants. So she is kind of into him, but but pushing back. So there's a little bit of like sense in that. Yes, she he was she was a prize to obtain. There, there's also a, a hysterical line the first time when they're in the club and uh, she's like dancing in a cage and all the characters are like, I finally get it. It's like, yeah, she's the, like insanely attractive. Like what? Like this idea that like this like model looking woman and everyone's like, why is he attracted to her? I can't figure yeah, this cause, out. Because they really say like, oh, you see now that she bu- unbuttoned the top two buttons of her shirt. <laughs> it was dancing yes, it a little was, bit. She took her glasses off. Yes, it was yeah. a definitely a prompt, like a prompt dance 
thing, except like it was immediate. I don't know. I mean, I th- I think it's fair to say without any stipulations that this movie does not understand humans. No, no. It doesn't understand it humans. It especially does not understand women. No. Uh, it, it, it actually, as it goes on, the women become the sex spots and the men seem mostly interested in punching each other. Like, I kind of like that, actually. That's that's part of the reason the movie gets better for me. The women are really into into driving the plot and the men are really into murdering each other. Let's talk about that, though. Uh, so one of the women fucks a cake. <laughs> it's, I feel like it I is, feel like it's worth maybe having a second or somewhere two conversation and, and and fucks it like uh let's just Well say, she says she cries later and is like I don't I don't know what's going on. I just fucked a cake. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be this honest. Is, this isn't implied like we're like oh she just ate that cake weird. Like the character feels a little remorse <laughs> yes. for fucking that cake. <laughs> so let's let me let me ask you guys would you feel shame for having fucked a cake in the throes of a drug? I feel like that's best case scenario. <laughs> it gives American Pie a different explanation. <laughs> yeah, there, exactly. There's a whole movie about like fucking pastries for men because we just, you know, if you're a, a guy, you just put your dick in some. Yeah, isn't there like a isn't there a scene in 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 Sweet Movie that's something something very similar to this actually? Um, sweet I, movie, Sweet Movie, the Dushan Makaviev, uh man, talk about mispronouncing things. Uh, the movie he made oh, after W R Mysteries of the Organism, uh, Czech New Wave movie, um, pretty much only known. I think I have very strong memories of a a model covered in cake. Uh, that might have just been from my private dreams, so anyway, continue. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, no, I'm I, almost I positive heard of anything this you said. Uh, Sweet Movie is, it is one of, it is the most NC-17 movie to have a Criterion release, I would say. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> and there's competition. Uh, yeah, it's, but the whole thing is so weird, though, because essentially what she does is she, like, she's just eating the cake and rubbing it on her body, and then just kind of grinding in the air and the the director shoots it kind of sexily it's got a little bit of like a room sex scene like from the movie the room which we'll be covering next week sex scene uh vibe a little bit it was so funny because when i was watching it i wasn't like oh my god she's fucking that cake i was like oh she's she's just kind of um rubbing that cake all over yeah. yeah hedonistically like eating the cake and enjoying every you know piece of sugar it's not till later where she is kind of coming out of her her drug high and is like, oh my god, I can't believe I fucked a cake. I'm like, I don't know She's, if that's what you did. Yeah, I mean, so that that actress is in per- all the Pitch Perfect movies. I don't remember how major her character is because I haven't seen him in forever. But um, she plays Pitch. Uh, which one is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, she plays Perfect. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, she plays two in the sequel. Yeah. Um, there, there is like this Peter really... thinks they're cop movies about yeah. Pitch Perfect. Pitch, yeah, it's like all the crime. Cash. Pitch and uh, Perfect. Like she, I feel like she has the most well constructed character in that she is yeah. kind of this tomboy, and I guess it's assumed that like she has been starving herself to hang out with these beautiful people. Oh yeah, uh, yep. I feel like it's kind of what they're trying to establish. And then like she goes into a bathroom, and um, when two women are too catty for her, she takes one and smashes her into a mirror. An action for which she faces no repercussions and uh, escapes the movie. <laughs> they almost set up a good arc there. I thought that wasn't exclu- exclusively women want to have sex and men want to punch each other. Yeah, and she and she did the and she did the whole thing like that. 
Jason, why did we never work? Yeah, that was that's like the first sign that something is seriously going wrong is that she hits on the main character. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought they were going to, for a second, I was like, the movie thought it was so transgressive. Like, Jason laughs at her. And Jason, up until this point, has been betrayed, portrayed as this, like, douchebag womanizer like the rest of them. And then this is the point where the movie starts to pivot. And, like, mm-hmm. Jason, Jason is, like, sobering up. And like this is a this is a part of the movie that I'm sure all of us can relate to, uh, where you're the sober one in a situation. Like oh, even the if worst. you're not even sober, you're the less drunk, less fucked up person in a situation. Yeah. You're surrounded by animals. Here's a lesson for the kids out there. Never be that guy. Get fucked up quickly so you're not that person <laughs> who has to deal with drunk people. Be the person who people have to deal with you. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of the mess you want to see in the world. So yeah, let's let's you know this is a crazy movie. It is. It's a little hard to talk about though, uh, just because it is one of those. Just fucking watch this movie. Yeah, it's yeah. Nuts, it's and it's really, on Amazon Prime. It's like so. It's so hard to summarize because it just yeah, it just doesn't have like a structure or like it has a very weird structure that subverts your expectations. Yeah. So I just have a couple quick notes and then uh, you guys can share yours. So. Um, I w- I, a lot of my notes are about Danny Masterson. I was really upset with him. <laughs> um, I did misspell his name once, Danny Nasterson, which I think is a better name. <laughs> like, I feel like that would, he would call Dan- himself. Oh, Danny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's, Danny, it's, you're so Nasterson. It's Danny N- Nasterson if you're nasty. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the other one that I wrote that I'll share is that Danny Masterson describing what a fictional – drug does to him is the nadir of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I do feel, you guys got? I feel like we didn't spend enough talking about time talking about Pierce Brosnan. It's very short but completely insane performance. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. He he. I've never seen him be this fey <laughs> in like any of his I love movies. It. Yeah. He has high hands very often. Like, like he, he's doing a sort of like, I'm a cultured man, and I don't think he realizes how effeminate it is. Yeah, I no, effeminate, it. exactly. Like, in the last scene, and when he's on the uh, boat, he uh, is wearing this purple suit. At the time I watched this, I made a picture of it and said, I'm very excited for Pierce Brosnan's uh, Prince bio- biopic, and it's actually pretty accurate. <laughs> he also, in that scene, uh, speaking of mispronunciations, uh, at one point refers to it as a construct. Uh, he's like, oh, this is all yeah. just a construct. And uh, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, he, uh, you know, to, to borrow a phrase that gets used a lot on another podcast, uh, he's definitely making some choices. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he uh, and the, the the back and forth between he, him and Jason is so, like, fantastic. When Jason first goes to get Urge. Uh, he keeps making these jokes about how he's like, you know, the worst thing about buying trucks is having to listen to the dealer. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I really forgot. And then when he runs into him at the restaurant, he's like, I forgot how much you like to talk. And it's <laughs> really fantastic. I like it. I like it. But I also don't because like it makes me if he's going to become the character, uh, the audience identification character, mm-hmm. I want him to be as enthralled by Pierce as I am. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't identify with you because you don't like him. <laughs> yeah, it's two people not playing off each other at all. Like yeah. Pierce Brosnan is like pontificating and talking about biblical verses and how the nature of the universe. And Jason is like, "Okay, cool, man. Can I go now?" Which all is right. such a great, like, I think, is a really good way, like, to like capture how 
like it is when you have to deal with dealers who are yeah, awake and true, like, true. But then on the other hand, you could fully convince me that they shot this movie, those two characters shot their scenes together, not just in different times, but in different countries. Uh, like, <laughs> with with, like with different made, scripts. They, they made Jason go to Bulgaria <laughs> and Pierce Brosnan got to shoot three miles from his home. Pierce Brosnan was like, look, I have a green screen room. I will not leave it. <laughs> I will film all my scenes from it. <laughs> I have got that. I've got a family of albinos, and I got this guy with testicular cancer. Let's shoot some shit. <laughs> when you said purple suit, does that make you think that maybe Pierce Brosnan thought that this was going to be a Joker role for him, like this agent of chaos? <laughs> yes, like extremely fake Joker. <laughs> <laughs> so like Mark, so like Mark Hamill Joker. Yeah, well, like even yeah, like e- even like millionaire Caesar Romero. Yeah. Cesar Romero, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's if- part of the fun of the Mark Hamill Joker is that. Uh, uh, Harley Quinn always wants to fuck him, and he's always like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't have a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody drew one for me. <laughs> Final thoughts on Urge. The first time I watched it, I was really just watching it for uh, descriptions that I could describe to you guys in it in our Facebook chat. Uh, uh, <laughs> lines that I could quote out of context and be hysterical. Um, but the second time, I think I might like this movie. <laughs> um, and I, I can't I think like, I like the last two thirds. I think I might have liked all of it just because I think in earnestly trying to portray these characters as awesome because the filmmakers think it's so awesome. It, it works as this portrayal of extremely uncool people. Um, which I I thought was very uh, uh, entertaining to watch because I'm like, yeah, all these characters would definitely be friends. Um, (laughs) Like, yeah, I I thought it was... It does uh, make sense. I think it is something I would recommend to people, which is more than I would was expecting <laughs> liz that's exactly right so <laughs> the funny thing about this movie urge about a drug called urge is that i've told friends now to watch it and i said it's an amazon prime literally don't read the synopsis don't read the cast list like as much of this being a mystery to you don't watch the trailer as much as this being a mystery to you is going to give you more joy because, like, I love the idea of somebody watching this and not knowing Pierce Brosnan is even in it. <laughs> I love the idea of somebody watching this and not knowing it's actually, like, a secret horror movie. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of somebody watching this and being like, well, yeah, it's just going to take place in the club. And then it blowing up, like, in this big thing and having recognizable actors or, like, doing what <laughs> I did where you're like, oh, it's, you just hear a character's voice and you're like, is that Jonah Ray? And you're like, well, no, Nick Thune. Close enough. Um, and, uh, and also, it's got an amazing... Pierce Brosnan, uh, starring as the man, a.k.a. Vape Star Pierce. I quickly want to recommend a movie called Seraphim Falls that he's in. It's a Western with him and Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah. I've seen it around. I haven't watched it. I really like it. Nobody else talks about this movie. I will watch it and talk about it with you. (laughs) You'd really like, there's a character in a third act I think you'd really like. uh, Because it takes a weird turn over what you'd expect. Okay. Um... So, Seraphim Falls is another late period. Pierce Brosnan, I would recommend. Obviously, The Matador we talked about. Obviously, The Ghost Rider we talked about. And he has a weird role in World's End, completing Edgar Wright getting to work with all the ex-Bonds that are still living. Um, <laughs> Secret Pierce Brosnan is a, is, a, is a serious weapon. It lets you know this movie is going to pivot in places that you didn't know it was going to go. And, yeah, like I said, like it's like a drug like i'm recommending to people but i'm just like go in just watch the movie like i'm becoming this like weird like hype man for it <laughs> uh 
even though like it has serious flaws that we didn't really like we didn't even we get to of, yeah we didn't get to but they're kind of irrelevant because of the the experience like the capital t capital e the experience um <laughs> I, I could really see this movie becoming like a midnight movie um yeah yeah like, let's it, be the red bastard for this movie let's hype it up yes <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, I think the i think the people that dress as the red bastard and go see this movie are gonna have a real hard time sitting there. <laughs> i really i really want to go i wasn't kidding when i said he he is a cirque du soleil performer yeah uh, that's and i really i want it like what if that is like like because at the end he's on the boat implying that he's like teamed up with with Pierce yeah. Brosnan to burn everything down I'm gonna imagine that that is part of any Cirque du Soleil performance I ever see <laughs> that this is the further adventures of the Red Bastard <laughs> you know what this I actually didn't get to talk about this uh, but I really the whole time I was watching the movie I was waiting for a black screen with that font where it says like the gang causes the apocalypse and the it's always sunny music starts <laughs> like that's really what this felt I feel like um, the Nick Thune character was like towards the end of the movie he started looking like a, Poyle, a McPoyle brother um, yeah. yeah like he was going to demand warm milk yeah no, was, <laughs> it easily could have pivoted in that direction with um with Danny DeVito as the Pierce Brosnan character <laughs> <laughs> Danny DeVito would have been a, a good choice for the man if they couldn't get Pierce or they as the get Red PB. Bastard he could have been yeah. the Red Bastard too yeah, true. Yeah, so uh, yeah, my final thoughts are so I did exactly uh, what Peter said is the right way to view this in that I had never fucking heard of this movie. Um, I didn't read anything about it. And when we decided to do it about two weeks ago, and I sat down, I watched it. And I, I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know what was ahead of us. I got progressively more invested like it's one of those movies where you know how you start kind of like thinking about your star rating as you're watching and maybe you shouldn't <laughs> do that but you're like fuck this is a half star half like what is what is this this isn't fun bad this isn't good bad this is just every character's bad i hate everybody oh and then like as it starts going on you're like okay maybe like one star all right two stars maybe <laughs> um is this wait is this movie good <laughs> Like, it was like a progression of enjoyment to the point that when I was done with it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'd watch that again. I'd tell people to watch that. So, I'm actually more – I should say I'm almost more excited to watch it again at some point with people because <laughs> I I have a feeling that, as, as Liz sort of said, uh, the second viewing of this is going to be better than your first because that whole first half when you don't know what's going on – it's, it's easy to focus the, – the real crazy stuff, the real stuff that makes this movie worthwhile between uh, what the drug does, a lot of little fun moments, the fact the movie gets actually kind of good for a little stretch there, <laughs> yeah. Pierce, Bro Pierce, Pierce Brosnan, and then the twist ending. All that stuff is great, but it takes a while to get there. And so now, now that I know where it's going, I'll probably be able to – to appreciate the first half a lot more as well. So I'm very excited to see this again. I just realized we never talked about the Botox murder. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good murder. <laughs> a really and that's, that's letting you know that you're entering a different movie. Yeah. Like, if you haven't caught on yet, you are in a different movie now. <laughs> like, like the you know when you go on a plane sometimes and they're like, if you don't want to go to Chicago, <laughs> get off, get the, off plane. the plane now. <laughs> No, that's that's a great that's a great scene. And I'm actually kind of glad that we didn't get into a lot. There there's a lot of moments. If you 
did not listen to the warning at the beginning of this episode and just were like, well, fuck, I'm never actually going to watch Urge. Know that there is enough moments that we did not get a chance to talk about because the whole last 50 minutes is like beat for beat, nutso bananas. And there's so many things we did not do justice to in our description uh, that will make you like when it actually happens and you realize it is way crazier than we described it'll make it like worth it anyway yeah so definitely uh definitely definitely give this a chance and it's it's like 80 82 minutes not including the credits and it's on amazon prime so like fucking you have no reason to not watch this movie (laughs) yeah it's considerably shorter than the podcast that we're recording right now And there's a stinger and there's an inscrutable stinger there's (laughs) that might have been a trailer for a different movie Please watch the stinger. So yeah, Liz, thank you so much for your third appearance here on We Love to Watch and obviously uh, our co-host in the piloted release, but soon to be more regular release, uh, Pod's Not Dead. Yeah. Um, what what else do you have to promote? And that that's about it. Every once in a while, I write stuff for uh, our, our mutual friend Rick Kelly's uh, blog, uh, Luddite Robot, and that's about it. No, I, I I don't I don't put too much stuff up on the internet. So I feel I feel like guesting on a podcast, co-hosting a podcast, and writing stuff. That's a lot of stuff. I I suppose. Yeah, that's probably yeah. enough. I can stop feeling guilty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So. Uh. And then next week. We're going to be doing um, a more recognized, a more um, common version of the uh, so bad it's good or just straight up good as we're going to be discussing probably a lot next week. I feel like like next week we're going to be talking about how much I hate the so bad it's good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I feel bad saying that. Yeah. I think I think half of our podcast is going to be talking about if you enjoy it as much as anything else, isn't it just good? So, and we're going to be talking about that with, uh, with Andrew Darr about the movie, The Room, which you may have heard of. So, uh, last episode of the month of Guest Request Month is going to be, uh, Firefox with Joseph Finn. Um, and yeah, that's going to be the month. And next week we'll have more announcements on, uh, the future of the, the podcast going into fall and winter. Yep. Probably just the October listing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much again, Liz. This was, as always, a ton of fun. Uh, and we'll we'll see you out there uh, when we all get together and urge up. Yes. Uh, little, a little known fact, before every recording of Pod's Not Dead, we do some urge. And it turns out all we want to do is record podcasts. <laughs> you guys have been doing urge? I've been drinking a lot of surge. <laughs> Yeah, if if we really took urge, most episodes would be about Blade Two, because um, <laughs> that's all I want to talk about all the time. But I'm like giving you guys the gift of talking about other movies. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night, guys. <laughs> Good night, sweeties. When the sun turns straighter, cold, and all the trees stand shivering in a naked road. I get the urge for going. But I never seem to go I get the urge for going When the meadow grass is turning brown And summertime is falling down And winter's closing in Thanks for listening
listening to We Love to Watch. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we've got just a few quick announcements for you. There ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs, baby. If you'd like to talk to us, uh, tell us we're stupid, tell us we're beautiful. The quickest way to get to us is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash we love to watch. Or our website, WLTWpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, We don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available if you don't use iTunes. We're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, Tune in. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again, above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.